Hi church, it's Dr. Jana again for another episode of Exercising the Word. Um, hey, before you um, listen to this episode, if you haven't listened to um, the last episode that I recorded, um, it's only about two weeks before this, and um, what do we call that one? Um, it was not Train Your Legacy, but it is part of this month's theme, Train Your Legacy, um, Fan the Flame, sorry. I'm uh, I'm not polished, but I am passionate, so <laughs> forgive me. Um, but yeah, if you would go and listen to the Fan the Flame episode before this one, so this is like part two of that, we're just going to continue on um, as we follow suit with this theme of this is my legacy. We're training our legacy so the spin video, the actual video, that's a different separate recording and workout from the last podcast workout. And then this is um, a third one from this month. I'm loving this topic. I was not expecting to get so excited about it. I had no idea going into this month what the Lord was going to teach me and show me and speak through me. And um, he has just absolutely shown off. So um I just want to share more of that with you because I think this is so important, especially in the times that we're living in. Um, there's just a lot to share. I didn't know that the Word of God would have so much to say. I mean, I guess I did, but I didn't. And this isn't a topic I've specifically um, dug through before. So um, let's open in prayer and then I'm going to dive right in. So Lord, um, I just lift up every listener, Lord, I pray, God, that you would teach us and train us in godliness, Lord, for we know that that is so much more important than physical exercise, God, um, but we love to move our bodies, God, we love to worship, Lord, we love to sing for your glory, God, and so I pray that you would refresh us, that you would train us up in your ways and in righteousness, God, um, I pray that there would be, never be any shame in, um, the bold words that you um, often speak through me, God. Um, I pray, Lord, that my words would always be your words. Pray that this uh, message would be encouraging as much as it is exhorting and edifying to you, Lord. Um, God, raise your church up. God, I pray that you would set a holy fire in every single one of us, Lord, and that you would um, fan into flame our spiritual gifts and that we would become ever more obedient to um, heed the warnings of your word and to obey your word. In Jesus' mighty and matchless name, I pray. Amen. All right, here we go. So wherever you're at, you're starting to move your body, you're just getting warm, your resistance is low, or your incline is low, or your weights are low, whatever you're doing. You know, I've even gone back and listened to my own podcast and then the Revving the Word um, podcast from Revelation Wellness. So if you're on um, Podbean or iTunes, uh, Revving the Word is uh, similar to this. It's what inspired me to start doing this. It's when God called me was when I was listening to and moving to those um, podcast workouts. So um, just a shout out to that. Um, you can be encouraged by those, but they make doing the dishes so much more fun just have to say that. Um, I have actually done just basic house chores or rested listening to these more than I've even worked out to them. So you're free. You are free to push it and be challenged or you're free to kick back and just clean house or whatever it is you're doing. Um, 
But I do encourage you to let the Spirit move you um, and just teach you today. So, I want to read to you Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 9. Here we go. It says, You must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands. It says to repeat them, to talk about them, to tie them, in other words, wear them, put them on, write them on the walls of your house, decorate with them. I was sharing in my class this um, last week um, through this ministry here and then also the home base Revelation Wellness Ministry in Phoenix that trains up instructors, Christian fitness instructors. Um, through my ministry personally, we call it Wear It and Share It. And so we encourage people to be their shirt, be their hat, you know, be your bracelet, whatever it is that you're sporting a scripture or um, your, the, a word that has completely changed your life or that God has spoken to you, whatever that might be. So you're ready to give account for the hope and the faith that you have. Wearing it on our hat, you know, it might just be a word or it might be a scripture or it might be a tank top or a sweatshirt or whatever. But wear it and share it for, for us, for this ministry, and for me is it's an encouragement to memorize the scripture that goes with the saying on my shirt so that not only when people ask me do I just show them my shirt, but I get to witness and I get to bring that scripture to life and it's an opportunity. It does open the door for me to witness a lot. I have people all the time ask me when I'm at the harbor, maybe having coffee or juice with a girlfriend or something like that people always come and ask me what my shirt says or what my hat says and I just love that but basically what God is saying to us is to commit ourselves wholeheartedly like not as a have to and not as a religious practice but because we love to because we are so passionate about sharing God's word and hope and love to a broken world everywhere we go we take it with us and we share the whole truth right like we talked about in the last um, episode we don't twist it we don't water it down we don't make it overly legalistic we share it in truth the context of the scriptures and we repeat them again and again to our children is what the next line says Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road. So when we're taking our kids to school or to a ball game or dance class or whatever that might be, or when we're on date night with our spouse, you know, we're bringing the word to life. Do we pray with our spouse when we go to bed? Do we pray over our children? Are we teaching them how to pray? Are we teaching them how to handle conflict even at a really young age in a godly way? Do we teach them to put their whole armor on the second their feet hit the floor and to worship God, to wake up in a cheerful mood 
right? Whatever, however we feel that day, we can choose joy. Come on, keep moving your body. Add a little, add a little resistance or a little speed, wherever you're at. Come on. Verse 6, God's speaking to Moses and he says, I lavish my love on those who love me and obey my commands, even for a thousand generations. I lavish my love on those who love me and obey my commands. Love and obedience. Love and obedience. We get lavished with God's love. It says even for a thousand generations, that love and that obedience to his word and to love our enemies, to love well, is contagious. It's a godly legacy and it passes on for generation, from generation to generation to generation. Isn't that encouraging? So when we think about being disobedient, and we're wrestling things out with the Lord, come on, let's start to work it out. But we are obedient to keep our eyes on Jesus, even when it hurts, even when we're hearing something that's convicting or we don't wanna hear, even when we're being tested to love when it's not fair, when we'd rather get revenge, we'd rather not say such nice things about somebody. We choose love. We don't live based on our circumstances or our feelings. We could probably work that out for the next hour, <laughs> for the next year, and for the rest of our life. We're gonna be wrestling with that. Lord, help us. <laughs> Lord, help me. I lavish my love on those who love me and obey my commands, even for a thousand generations. What a good, good God. What a gracious God. Come on. Lord, expose the areas of disobedience that are tainting our legacy. Come on. What are our kids? What are our friends? We talked about this last episode. What are they seeing us doing that doesn't exactly line up with God's word? Obedience, come on. Come on, Lord, expose it. Expose it. Come on. Move however the spirit makes you move to this song. Listen. Yes, come on. That's right. Take your hands off our kids. 
having fun with this song in our classes last month and the month before. Come on, let that flesh burn a little bit. Just jog, just ride. Your body temperature's going up. Your heart rate's going up. But you can maintain. Come on. I want to talk about four things that help us create a godly legacy in our homes or in our ministries or our workplaces. Come on. You want to make the devil run? Be the example. The things that you're preaching, the things that we're teaching, practice what we preach. Be the example of the character that we want our kids to develop, of the character we want to see in our boss. If we're being persecuted for being the only Christian, maybe, where we work, or if your kids are getting bullied at school for what they believe for being pure or naive or kind, be the example, live the character that you're trying to teach, come on. you what love and obedience they're gonna make the devil flee <laughs> if we want people to have an authentic relationship with Jesus then we have to show them what that looks like amen we have so much influence simply by the way we live our lives if we don't live it we don't really believe it There's a saying that I love that I think applies here. It says more is caught than taught. <laughs> Most of us are the only Bible that the majority of Christians, because for the most part, we live in a very lukewarm Christian country. We're the only Bible people are gonna read. In some cases, I should say. More is caught than taught. Live it. Be the example. Be consistent with our kids. Be consistent with rules and consequences. Let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. Just as we challenge God's authority in our own lives and we have this tendency to be rebellious kids, we're all kids, we're all children of God no matter what age we are. We talked about that last episode. got to stay in the truth, keep our belt of truth on, right? The whole armor of God. We live the truth and we teach the truth and we're consistent in it. We're not manic in this emotional experience when God's showing off and then totally down in the dumps and depressed and, and asking like, do we even believe this? Are we doubting God and considering turning away from him because things aren't going our way? 
as far as raising kids, the same rules apply yesterday as they do today. You have to be consistent. There has to be consequence to sin. When we're walking in obedience and we let our Heavenly Father discipline us, we learn how to, in a godly way, discipline our own kids. that we have authority over feel secure. They know where the lines are. When God gives us the boundary lines and we know what not to cross and what has consequences, we're secure in his love. It actually increases confidence. We can trust his lead, right? Our kids can trust our lead when there are rules and there are consequences. We want to train our kids to be obedient and loving, right? Because we want them to be lavished with the love of their Heavenly Father, just as we are happy to lavish them with love. We discipline them, but we equally love them. We teach them, we explain to them why they're in trouble and that you love them and you discipline them because you love them. No matter how old we are, we always try to push the limits, don't we? It's so important, especially in this generation. The kids know how to respect authority. We have a world where authority just means nothing, that it's equal rights for everyone and everything, pets and kids and adults and every religion and every sex. God loves us all the same, but he has order. He's a God of order, and he's a God of discipline. Be worthy of the respect that God has given us. We must be intentional about our own choices, making sure they line up with God's word and the legacy that we are praying for, that we're hoping to create or recreate. If, if so far we've blown it, name of Jesus, the past is the past. Let's keep repeating that his mercies are new every day, every year. It's never too late. God is a God of restoration and redemption. Today, let's train to not make impulsive decisions and not be that kind of example or not take the easy route or what's most convenient when it comes to our health or our kids learning that if you feel any pain you just go get medicated or you go and get a drink or you go to the bar or if you're a single mom or a single dad that you just go to another relationship and then get your heart broken and they watch you be crushed we don't choose what's convenient we don't choose what feels good in the moment. We are slow and discerning and careful, patient, self-controlled. 
walking in grace, by grace, receiving God's grace, falling to our knees, through our kids, through our friends. Do they see us fighting our battle with rage or words or even our fists, or do they see us fighting from our knees? Little choices, they add up, and they add up to either a godly legacy or they add up to a life that's hypocritical and disobedient, and it's that, that can be just as contagious. What are we choosing to turn on the TV? When do we take a stand and say, I'm not going to watch that. We're not going to, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. No, not allowed here. What are our priorities? Do we do our devotions only if we have time? Or is that a discipline, a daily morning or bedtime discipline, a priority? What do we do with our free time? right it doesn't change it's not weak it's not faltering it's not maybe it's unending grace grace wins grace saves us grace changes us we receive grace therefore we can pour out grace come on Let it move you. Let it move hearts. Let it shift the atmosphere in our home. Come on. Yes. Totally scandalous. The last discipline I want to talk about before we shift gears is to be praying for our family. Maybe journaling about our, you know, where we've succeeded and where we've failed. <sighs> Do you know, as a parent, whether you're a single parent or, or married, what your goals are as a parent or what, what you want your family legacy to look like? It's so much more important to pass on the Word of God. I, I, again, I hope that you've listened to the episode before this so I don't um, take the time to repeat what we've already learned and talked about, but God is able to do the impossible. He can change a generation. He can make all things new. I am living proof. My husband's living proof. <laughs> and prayer is our most powerful weapon. Praying and living it. <sighs> to be a godly leader or a godly parent or a teacher, it takes wisdom, it takes courage, it takes patience. We need huge doses of grace, lots of forgiveness. We have to extend a lot of forgiveness. We can't let bitterness and anger set in and take root. Or we're going to pass on a legacy that we do not want. 
passing on for generations after us. God has equipped us for the call to be a parent or to be a teacher or whatever it is that we've been called to do, but we're all leaving a legacy behind and we have choices in what that is. Lord, I beg you today, God, that you would stop us from letting our frustrations or distractions or being constantly on our phones or social media or on our computers and never looking up to look our kids in the eyes and play with them or talk to them, God. God, new generation. Lord, restore families, restore family time, restore dinners at the dinner table, God. Restore health, God, for those who have never known how to properly care for their vessel, their temple, their body. God, teach us. Break the chains of neglect, God. And if we're obsessing over our bodies, we're constantly trying to surgically repair it or change it or be somebody that we're not or hiding behind some mask. Lord, new generation, name of Jesus. Enjoy your kids, play with them. Stop shaming yourself because your breasts are sagging or because you've put on weight because you nursed your babies or because you cared more to play with your kids than to squeeze in a 10th workout this week. Come on. <laughs> Do your part to feed your body, to take care of yourself. Ask the Lord to help you. Ask him for motivation, holy motivation. Ask him to break the chains of obsession. Ask him to give you eyes to see yourself as he sees you. That's powerful. Come on, God. Come on, church. <laughs> the Lord was speaking to me in class last week just about how, you know, we, our bodies, like being making the choice to be a parent, to have babies. You're sacrificing maybe the body that you once had. A lot changes. And it can open the door to the enemy to just devour people. And then every, every sign that we see on the freeway, every magazine, every TV show, every commercial, the world as we know it, it feeds that insecurity. And it tells you that you, you would just look so much better and you'd be so much happier. Your life would be so complete if your hair was longer or blonder or darker or your eyelashes were longer, if your lips were a little bit bigger and your boobs were a little more perky or they were a little smaller or a little bigger, or your hips were a little curvier or less curvy or your thighs were smaller or your thigh gap was bigger or your legs were longer. Oh my gosh, it wears me out just to think about it. Name of Jesus, beloved. God loves you. Ask him. If you've lost your health, ask him where to start. Ask him for discipline. Ask for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit that you might walk in self-control, that you might learn what foods feed your body, and that you wouldn't fall into the trap of a diet or obsessing. Come on. Move your body, 
Exercise the word. Work in truth constantly. Come on. Come on. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mercy, Jesus. It's a get to you. Come on. takes a lot more confidence to love yourself when things look less than less than perfect on the outside <laughs> when it feels like your body's a mess your hormones are a mess your marriage is a mess your kids are a mess but you know your identity in Christ you are rooted and grounded in love it takes a lot more strength a lot more confidence and I promise you church you want those eternal gifts, you want those things that last, those things that matter. Because plastic body parts, they too shall fall. Those temporary eyelashes, they fall out in a matter of weeks. They kink. You don't need, you don't need, you don't need to buy parts. Come on. I'm not trying to shame anyone who's gone there. That is not my intention. I'm just trying to save you the heartache of the letdown because it's not gonna breed contentment. They're gonna let you down. You're gonna trade one insecurity for another. One insecurity for another. It's not worth it. Don't take the bait. Don't take the bait. I want to talk about something. So, I've been camped out in Thessalonians because I'm in a women's Bible study where we're studying Thessalonians and then we're going to study Timothy and it's so good. So just a little background on the, the church of Thessalonica. This was a, a group of people, a community, a city a, which became a church that was totally bound by idolatry and paganism and but they had a radical conversion they immediately turned to follow Jesus um, if you never read this book I would encourage you to read first and second Thessalonians but it was during a time when there was crazy uh, women's liberation equal rights movements going on um, there was just gnarly sexual immorality a lot of drugs and you know, ladies, if uh, I'm just speaking to the women right now, but we have such an influence, period. We are influential. And we can either be influential for Jesus or against him. And the decisions that we make regarding our body, what we do with our body, the things we say, the things we try to manipulate, they matter. And everything affects somebody else. May we never forget that. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Right? So, 
So the Thessalonian church, though, so the women, the men, the, the, the people, period, they were completely <laughs> wrapped up in just immorality in every which way you can think of at the time. But because they had this radical, radical conversion, and they immediately turned from idolatry. They turned from the idolatry of their body and false gods and sex and drugs and partying and just all of this lewdness and perversion. Because the blood of Jesus is that powerful. And you want the you want the fast lane to healing? Name of Jesus, blood of Jesus. So in Thessalonica, it was the blood of Jesus that restored these people's innocence. It immediately restored their purity, their honor, their respect, their integrity, their peace, their joy. You'd have to read the book to, to fully understand all of this. I can't do a full Bible study in the next 10 minutes, but they were radical. These people were, they were dynamic. They were movers and shakers and they were life changers. They were, they were faithful. They were faithful. They made Paul proud. <laughs> they were powerful and they were on mission. That's what you need to know about them. They were on mission and their past, much like ours, many of ours, it had no effect on their current ability to serve the Lord. Let that sink in for a minute. Their past, it had no effect on their current ability at that time to serve the Lord. Come on, listen, listen to these words. Work it out. Come on, push wherever you are. Increase speed, increase resistance. is how do we live godly lives in this godless and corrupt world because the reality is we're seeing the same thing today we're all living in the midst of it the birth pains are getting stronger we know that we're getting closer to the return of Jesus to the rapture of the church and we are in such dire need of revival and in order for revival to break out, we have to be where God wants us to be, and we have to be doing what God calls us to do. I'm gonna say that again. We want revival, we're praying for re revival. It starts with us. And here's our responsibility, to be where God wants us to be. So get on our knees and ask, Lord, where do you want me? Where don't you want me? And what have you called me to do? What's my calling? What am I wasting my time on? The Thessalonians were successful for the cause of Christ because they were living for the world to come. They had their eyes on Jesus. Eyes up, head down, amen? They were living for the world to come. They had a holy expectancy. They knew that 
He was who he said he was, that he had the power that he claimed to have, and he proved it. They had a holy expectancy. They didn't live by how they felt. They lived based on who they were, who they were in Christ. They knew their identity. They knew the power that lived within them. They saw, they were not deceived. Their eyes were open. They were sober. They were vigilant. They were aware of the vicious schemes of the enemy. They knew the power that lived within them, power and authority through the name of Jesus Christ. The Thessalonians were similar to a bride on her wedding day. So we think of what it's like if you've been married before. We prep and we prepare and we, we, we overspend and we are everything from overly excited to overly anxious and we have just re ridiculous amounts of anticipation, right? We get our hair done, we have the perfect dress and the nails and the lashes and the skin and the tan and we're writing our vows and all this stuff. I've talked about this in, a, in other messages, but the point is we're waiting for our name to be called. We're waiting for them to call the bride. We're waiting for our moment. The drama increases, right? The, your heart rate's going up and the anticipation, the excitement, they're getting almost overwhelming. And as the moment approaches, as the bride's moment approaches, we have to remember that we are the bride of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. And we're waiting for our name to be called. We're waiting for Jesus, our bridegroom, the groom, to come back for us. Are we ready? Are we ready spiritually? <laughs> In the physical, we say, is our hair done? Is our dress right? Our nails right? Are we ready? Do we look the part? Are we living the part? Are we really ready? Do we know what it means to get married? Marriage, to make us more holy. We talked about this in the last episode, in the Fan the Flame episode. We're waiting for our bridegroom to call our name, the church. That's all of us. We're one body, one spirit, one church. Jesus, come. The birth pains, what we're seeing in this world, the level of chaos and sexual immorality and rewriting of the Constitution and just the laws of the land and biblical laws, calling evil good and good evil. The birth pains, they're getting stronger. Do you feel it? Come on, listen church. First Thessalonians 1.4 talks about your election by God. We are a chosen generation, a chosen generation, a peculiar people. We can be totally confident and secure in our election. By God, we can be confident that we were chosen for such a time as this. We don't have to fear what we're seeing in this generation, what we're seeing in these times. We don't have to fear who's going to become the next president. We don't have, we, our hope is not in the Democratic or Republican Party. Our hope is not in a candidate. Our hope is not in a law or the lack thereof. Our hope is in Jesus Christ, anchored to heaven. Amen? 
the trials that we face personally and corporately as a country or in our family or whatever, whatever it may be, trials are for correction or for our perfection. Trials are for correction or for our perfection. Wherever we are in the world, remember that we are a powerful influence and we can either manipulate and seduce and walk in disobedience and influence against the cause of Christ blindly, not even realizing we're doing it, or we can be a powerful influence for the kingdom of God and bring heaven down to earth, ambassadors sent from heaven to heal this broken world. Luke 9:2, preach the gospel and heal the sick. We're called to go and make disciples of all nations, to raise the dead, to cast out demons, to cleanse the lepers, to heal the sick. Do we believe that the gifts are still alive and active? Are we, are we walking? Are we fanning the flame? Are we using our spiritual gifts? Are our eyes on Jesus? Are we heartbroken? for souls that are dying. The people who are dead in Christ, who are asleep, spiritually asleep. Lord, break our heart for what breaks yours. Come on, Lord. Fresh fire, holy fire, new generation. Come on, a generation of passion, of authentic love for you, Lord. Yes, Lord, break every chain every chain of emotional manipulation, of complacency and passivity, Lord. Break the chains of addiction and spiritual blindness, God. Lord, bring our children back. Bring home the prodigals, God. Increase the faith of your church, God. Lord, we pray for miracles and signs and breakthrough that we would see a display of your splendor here on earth, God. Listen, church, we only have a few more minutes. You know this scripture, but I want to remind you, Revelation 12, 11. <laughs> and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And it goes on. And they did not love their lives to the death. They overcame. That's the bottom line. That's the legacy we pass on. We overcome. Satan was defeated at the cross. We have victory in the name of Jesus. Our testimony is that Jesus is Lord. And we all have our personal story of salvation and redemption and sanctification. And it says they did not love their lives to the death. We don't live for ourselves. We live for him. Oh, God, forgive us. Forgive us, God. Listen. That's right. He's a prison shaken savior. I had to include this song again. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I don't need to change the words. It's so good. Come on, I'm gonna crank it up. I want you to add resistance. This is our last big push. 
Come on. Come on. Let it speak to you. surrender her child to the Lord. My husband, he had to go and do time. Seven years in prison. He had to get locked in a hole and come to the end of himself so that God could prepare him to be the man of God for me today and for our children and for the legacy that we will leave behind. Come on. He disciplines those he loves. Come on. Come on. Work it out. Eyes up. Eyes on Jesus. Come on. Listen. song. I love this song. I love what it stands for. I love the words. Church, he really is literally, literally bringing resistance down wherever you're at. Come on, cool it down with me. He really is a prison-shaken savior. God knows what it takes to bring us to the end of ourselves because he cares more about the legacy and the hope and the character and the godliness that we pass on than our temporary comfort. But I'm gonna tell you, the more we rebel and the more we will not tear down our pride and let go of bitterness and anger and resentment and complacency and spiritual drowsiness, the longer we're withholding revival in our own life, in our family, our community, our church, Whatever it takes, Lord, that's my prayer today. Whatever it takes to wake your church up, God. Whatever it takes for your name to be made famous, God. Whatever it takes for your church to be free. Come on. He's a good, good father. He's a good, good father. He's in control. He'll never let you go. I'll tell you, when you read about Paul, <laughs> we learn about Silas being his cellmate. They were arrested together, but they were holy rebels for the cause of Christ. I know lots and lots and lots of prison stories, unfortunately, because that's the testimony that I married into. 
but I've always heard about cellies. You know, who's gonna be your celly? You never know what you're walking into. When you get switched prisons or jails, or you get transferred, you never know who you're gonna be stuck in a tiny little room with, smaller than all of our bedrooms. You have to live with some other person, a stranger. I'll tell you what, that'll bring you to your knees. And that'll breed a lot of anger and frustration and it's gonna bring up all the infections in your life. But God knew, God knew that a literal prison is what it was gonna to take to set my husband free. And I am so grateful. I had the invisible prisons of pride and selfish ambition and fear and shame, drowning in shame over the things I had done with my body and the testimony that I chose to write. I took the pen out of Jesus' hand and said, I can write my own story. Let me write this chapter. I know better. And I fell flat on my face over and over and over again. And the shame nearly killed me. So I fell into the trap of coping with my problems with sex or another relationship or alcohol, wine, drugs, you name it, people pleasing, whatever it took to get that momentary comfort or attention. And it was all fleeting. <laughs> they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. The blood of the lamb, Jesus, the only innocent one who died for me and my husband and you when we didn't deserve it, and he loves us more than we'll ever understand. May that be the primary testimony that passes on to the next generation. Oh, how he loves us. Amen. Amen, church, I love you, and it is my honor to get to speak to you and to encourage you and to bring the word of God to life for you and to share the hell I've been through for the cause of Christ, not to glorify the sin or my past or to get any attention for myself, but to make the name of Jesus famous. And I pray that um, the authenticity in doing so is contagious. And I pray that this legacy passes on to the people I ever have the honor of influencing and speaking to, whether it's one or a million, it's my honor. I pray that passion is contagious. I pray that your prayer life is contagious. I pray for a boldness with discernment that God's word and his love and his power might go forth in this generation and for many generations to come until, the, until our Savior comes back for his bride. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys.